0: And we're back with another week of Reaction. We are back. Episode 7. The podcast where we talk about how to react to what we hear on Sunday mornings, how families can put into practice what's being preached through in HSM. That's exactly right. We are here on week one of a new series. It's called Motive. We're talking about the reason why we do the things that we do in church. So there's all these crazy kind of things that people might call rituals or, or habits that we do uh, that actually have significant meaning behind them. Things like giving offering, things like getting baptized, things like going to church and doing what God says. Uh, it's easy to challenge some of these things and say, well, if I have a relationship with God, what does it matter if I do... Kind of these things that can be looked at like symbols, but really they're a big deal because yep. what you do with someone that you're in a relationship with is a big deal, yeah. And uh, those are, are ways that we show God how much we love Him, how much we care about Him, how much we care about His Word,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think you know that the when we when we planned this series, um, you know, way back when and we were thinking through like oh, like a true crime thing that would be a lot of fun, like you know, that kind of a you know, what's the motive and, and the, the uh, you know, the kind of the, the way that like the true crime documentaries and podcasts have kind of swept the nation, you know, like the Making a Murderer and, you know, Up and Vanished and, and all that kind of stuff. And like, it's really like affect even like the, the the one that was just on HBO, like the case of Adnan Syed, like that one, like, you know, it's like some of these have, have gone so far as like they've reopened, they've reopened cases. Uh, but what we found... This Sunday is there's uh, about three students in our ministry that are into uh, true crime documentaries and podcasts. Yeah, not
0: so <laughs> not so relevant with the population, and so we kind of we decorated the room with some caution tape, and, yeah. and the students kind of walked in and went, so what happened? Did all the doors break? Like, why yeah. is there caution tape are everywhere? Guys, are, is
1: there construction? Like, are yeah. you guys remodeling?
0: So not so, the best series concept that we've come up with, right. but if you're not familiar with, you don't watch a lot of Netflix, you don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Maybe think of it as a big game of Clue. Yeah, that might be a more that's relevant a great family way of analogy. Yeah, it's uh, it's Sherlock Holmes. We're talking about uh, the the secret hidden motive. Yeah, what's the motive? What we do. So that's week exactly one, right. we're talking about why why do we do what God says? There's yeah. there's a lot of commands. There's a lot of uh, verses in the Bible that tell us how to do things, to do things. Old Testament, New Testament, throughout Scripture. So we're just spending a week talking about why we follow those instructions.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. And I think it's one of those things too. We talked about this this Sunday. You know, we said, look, like it's it's best for us as believers, as Christians, like we do strange things, and and you have to try to imagine what the stuff that we look like, and the stuff that we talk about, and the stuff that we do. You have to try to imagine what that looks like and sounds like, and must must seem like to someone who, you know, has never seen it or heard it before. And and so you know, and this is just a little insight into my brain. Um, but you try to like you you picture and you imagine like if an alien came to Earth, right and. You're trying to explain why we believe in and follow and trust, you know, a book that's two thousand years old that was, you know, pieced together over centuries. Uh, and it tells the story about this, all-powerful creator God that, that we can't see, but somehow lives inside of us. And, and you, you start talking that way and people go like, oh, hold on, like, yeah, that does seem kind of weird and kind of strange. So why do you do the things that you do? What is the, the motivation? And one of the things we talked about um, was that, you know, motivation for us, motive, comes when we get this collision, you know, of, of facts and information. So, you know, we talk about it like this, that, that facts and information are stored in our brains, and feelings and emotion, those kind of things are stored in our hearts. And usually when these two things meet, when the facts and information that we store in our brains meet the feelings and emotions that we feel in our hearts, that's when you get true motive because these things in and of themselves usually aren't enough, right? you know i may feel one way but you know I, I may feel one way about a person but i don't know that person well enough to go have a conversation with them or i may know something about something about someone or something but i don't necessarily have a particularly strong feeling about it so i'm not really going to do anything about it but it's it's when the it's when these two things meet and we talk about like from a from a spiritual standpoint it's the it's the 18-inch journey right from your head to your heart like that's what we're talking about but when that happens when the the information and the facts that are stored in the brain meet the feeling and the emotion that that's stored in our hearts that's when we get true motive and for us that motive is is faith right so faith happens faith is really born when the stuff that we know and the knowledge that we have begins to find a place where, and it begins to kind of collide and mesh with, you know, this thing about trust and, you know, that's an emotion, trust and belief and hope and love. Like when those things meet, that's when you get this thing called faith. And so faith is really at the end of the day, if you're looking for like, so why do we do what God says? What's the, the Sherlock Holmes, you know, clue motive behind all this? Well, that's the motive. Why do we do what God says? Is because we believe, right? We have faith and faith grows from this place, right? And, and what we say we believe is we believe that God is, and this is important, he's a good father, right? We, and we, can, we can't leave that out. We stress that on purpose. We believe that God's a good father and that because of his love for us, he has the best take on how to live our lives, right? So that's, that's kind of what we said. That was our big takeaway on Sunday morning was, so why do we do what God says? The, the simple answer, the short answer, which, which we're going to explain here in a second, is we believe, right? We believe we have faith. Why? Because the information in our brains and the feeling and emotion in our hearts have collided, and that's formed faith. We believe that God's a good Father, and because He loves us, because of His love for us, we believe He has the best take on how to live our lives. Yeah, yeah, he's both a good
0: father and a good designer, right? Yeah, like, he yeah. created this whole thing. He created the world. He created us. He created the things that we get to do and the things that we enjoy. And he didn't do it because he despises us or because he wants to watch us suffer. Like, he did it because he wanted to create this amazing place for us to live. He's he's a father who loves us and wants the best for us, as parents do. And so as he created this world, like... He created a, a set of rules and, and systems for us to follow to like best exist mm-hmm. in the world that he created. It's kind of it reminds me of uh, the movie Apollo thirteen. Like when when everything goes wrong with the the space capsule, what do they do? They call the designers. They it's get all the right, guys yeah. who built the capsule into a room and they lay everything out that's on the capsule and they say, how do we build a new air filter out of these random pieces? Like how do we respond to this crisis based on all your knowledge that you have for being the person who designed this system. And I think that's what we do when we look to the scriptures. It's like, hey, God, you're the one that designed all this. You're the one that designed and built the world that I'm living in. So how do I respond to crisis? How do I navigate the path that's in front of me? Uh, I'm going to ask you for that, because I'm not smart enough on my own. Like, I seem to be flying this capsule right now, but I'm not the one who built it. Right. So So how do I use it to the the in the best way that it could possibly be used. Yeah, that's what we do when we look at scripture.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think you know that, that's one of those things where you know facts would tell us that, but I think re- we got to remember it's it's more than it's more than just facts. And so you know we would we would trust the guy or the or the girl whoever made the 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 capsule in, in in Apollo thirteen right we're gonna trust that person and that yeah when when this thing comes off the rails or or even at the end of the day you know like the, the, the guys that had to teach the astronauts how to fly that thing were the ones that designed it because they know how to they know how it works they know what it's supposed to do and so these guys that created it they've got to teach the guys that are gonna fly it how it's supposed to work and so it's the same way for us. But I think for us we, we got to remember that that the facts and yeah we want to trust the designer but God's more than just a designer. He's more than just a designer. You know and, and we do what we we do what God says because we believe that he's good. So that that's why I say we stress that on Sunday and while we're stressing that again right now is we believe that God's a good father. Because here's the thing if he's not good then you shouldn't do what he says. Right? You shouldn't do what he says if he's not good then then we shouldn't do what God says. If he if he's just a if, you know, it's the whole watch. It's the it's the watchmaker or the clockmaker theory of well, he just built the thing, set it in motion, and stepped back and just watched it all unfold. Well, that's somebody I would say that's not good. Like someone who's just going to step back and then just watch chaos, right? That's not good. And if he's if that's what God's doing, if that's who He is, then we shouldn't do what He says. But that's not who He is. And we talked about, you know, in in Exodus thirty four, you get this you get this moment with God and Moses on top of this mountain where for the first time God really says his name and says who he is and we talked about this Sunday we said you know like the, a lot of us think well God's name is God well that's not true his name is Yahweh right according to you know the Old Testament God's name when he calls out his name is Yahweh and that name literally means I am right so when he tells Moses you know Moses says God who's sent you know when I'm going back to Egypt who's sending me God says well tell him I am sent to you He's, that's his name. I am Yahweh. I am. And he, and he goes through this list of, if you want to know who I am, I'm, I'm compassionate. He says I am the, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I, you know, he says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity. I forgive rebellion. I forgive sin. I'm a forgiver, right? But then he says, I don't I don't excuse the guilty. You know, so there's this part of, of God where as much as he has all these things, we go, oh, yeah, that's warm and fuzzy. He also says, well, before you go too far, and th- I'm also just, you know, I- I'm a just God. Mm. Uh, and so I think it is, it's one of those things where, you know, as we begin to to really unpack this stuff, you know, we begin to see, no, he is, he's good, you know, so he, he, he and that's straight from his mouth. Exodus 34 is straight from his mouth. And so he's declaring his identity and who he is, you know, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, filled with love. But then Jesus takes it one step further in Matthew 7, and Jesus' ministry, you know, yes, Jesus came to die on a cross and, and, and be resurrected and all those things to, to, to break the power of sin and death, but Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry was continuing to point people back to the truth of who his father was. And see, people back in Jesus' day, they thought that God was mean. Why? Because the, the Pharisees really led them to believe that. Um, That he was mean, that he was just waiting to drop the hammer on them, that he was constantly just waiting for the opportunity to judge them, and and Jesus says, no, that's that's not that's not the heart of my father. And he goes through this whole deal where, you know, and I love the fact that he 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 brings clarity to the heart of his father by comparing, you know, the hearts of our own parents. And so, parents, this is something great for you to listen to because he says, you know, think about it like this, you know, parents, if your kids ask for a loaf of bread. Would you give them a stone? Would you give them a rock? Or, or parents, if you're, if they ask for a fish, are you gonna give them a snake? You know, we talked about that this, this, this Sunday. You know, it's like, Jack last week on the way home from school said, "Man, I want to stop at DQ and get a blizzard." How awful would it have been if I would have pulled into DQ, got myself a blizzard, but then just reached down into landscaping and given Jack a handful of rocks? Or if, if Cash said, "Dad, I want a pet fish," and I'm like, "You know what? That I hear you want a pet fish. That's great." I think you need a pet cobra, right? That That's this lethal viper that I'm going to put like, and we're not going to get it a cage. We'll just let it loose in the room and best of luck to you, son. Like, don't let it bite you and don't let it spit in your eyes. Like you would have called CPS. It would have been like this, this dude, this, this dad has lost it. Um, but, but Jesus says, no, That that's not what we do. If, if our kids, even though we have sin and mess and junk in our lives, if our kids ask for, a loaf of bread, we're going to give them a loaf of bread. If they ask for a fish, we're going to give them a fish. We're not going to give them a snake. So if we, even though we've got sin and mess and junk in our lives, are able to give that way to our kids, how much better then is God, who is perfect, able to, to give to, to us? And I think, you know, we talked a little bit about obedience as the love language of a father or a love language of a parent. And, and I know for a lot of our students, they've got dads who, you know, as they, as they hear the word father, you know they think about what that means in their lives and and where dad should be is there's a blank, right? And that blank can be filled in with everything from, well, my dad left, so fathers leave, or mm-hmm. my dad works too much, or so fathers are,, um, you know, they're distracted or fathers are addicted or fathers are mean or fathers are angry or fathers hit me or fathers hurt me. Um, and, and the truth is, the thing for us is, as we talk about obeying our fathers and and that obedience thing that says, I, "I love you and trust you enough to do what you say," the problem is for a lot of us is we put we we put the projection or the reflection of our own fathers onto God, and God is not the reflection of our fathers; He's the perfection of our fathers. Right? Yeah. So that's the Kentucky way of saying it. He ain't the reflection of your father; He's the perfection of your father. Right? And so. Uh, I think it's important for us to know that is that we believe he's good and we've got to get into this place where we go, OK, regardless of how my dad was or or how, how good or bad of a father I have in my life right now, um, I can obey God because he's a good father. Um, and we, we begin to move past this, you know, to move past the wounds and past the hurt uh, and begin to trust him that way.
0: Yeah. There's so much there. I, I want to rewind to the I am statement. That's, there's there's so much good in that, not just yeah. because of those modifying words that come after, you know, I am compassionate, I'm good, but really just in the statement, I am. Like, yeah. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm not just the beginning, like you said, just the, the watchmaker. I'm not just the beginning. I'm the beginning and the end. Right. And I'm with you, all things that we hear in Scripture. Uh, so there's there's so much just in that I am statement uh, but but it's interesting when you when you brought up the way that the Pharisees presented God to people. It mm-hmm. was this is not a good God. This is not a good Father. It's that the, he, this this is a, a rule maker who we're we're going to try our best to follow. And it's really our responsibility as the church and as parents uh, to not represent God in that way and to continually remind. We talk a lot about identity, like to remind students of the identity of God. He is mm-hmm. a good father who wants the best for them. He's not somebody who's who set out rules that need to be followed that are going to be blindly enforced by us as the church or by us as parents. But he is a good father who set out a set of guidelines that are going to be the best way to live life. And yeah. it's, it's important to present it that way from the beginning as opposed to just kind of setting out the rules and, and not explaining that character, that motivation behind those rules. Like, that is a very important distinction because setting up boundaries and rules is, can be easy. Yeah. Uh, enforcing them can be frustrating, but still uh, a fairly simple... What's really important is backing those up with, "Hey, let me speak to you about the identity of the Father. Let me speak to you about the motivation that God has for setting up these rules around your life, uh, because I'm just trying to play on the same team, same team. He is, Uh, and I think that can add so much, so much meaning and so much value to, to rules. Because why do you want to follow rules if you don't understand the reason behind them? That's exactly right. Like until you make someone fall in love with the uh with the motive for something that they're not going to fall in love with that thing itself because if right. they don't understand the reason why then there's no reason for them to accept it it's just a chore or a burden as opposed to something that they are delighted to do and, right. and it's our job to to help students be delighted uh to follow the lord yeah not to do it just out of obedience right. just out of blind following yeah so, yeah so that's good Um, and it's really, it's cool uh, the the scripture has a lot to say about who God is and and who the Father is but it also has a a lot to say about what what the law is, what the scripture is, what the word is. Yep. We looked at a couple of scriptures, Psalm 19. Uh, it says the, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. This this scripture is not something that is describing a bland set of rules, right. a yeah, black yeah. and white set of rules. Like This is a scripture that is that is painting the law of the Lord as something that is going to give us more life. It's not restricting us. It's not sucking the life out of us, but it's giving us a beautiful world to live in. It says, "...the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey." by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Like yeah. this thing that was so easy for people under the, the Pharisees' rule to think of as this scary, like looming thing. Yeah,
1: doom. Yeah, it's, yeah. That,
0: it's that same set of rules that's being described here as like the, the joy of life, sweeter than honey. Yep. Um, that's the truth of the Father's will for us. And, and if you think about, you know, relationship between a child and a parent, like that's the truth of that relationship too. Like there are rules entailed with being a parent, Uh, But the reason behind that is because the parent cares so much about their kids. So it's such a good analogy. Uh, James also talks about the Word of God. It says, Don't merely listen to the Word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What a cool word that is that freedom is in there. Because again, it's not about being limited. It's not about being reduced or, or trapped. It's about gaining freedom by kind of playing by the rules that have been set up, which is really cool. Yeah,
1: and I love the fact that too it says like in James, James 1, it talks about, you know, don't just listen to it, which we talked about before, is like that's just head knowledge. Don't just store more stuff up here. Yeah. But but put it into action. So that means that somewhere what you're reading and what you're learning and, and, and that, whole it's, it's, it's colliding with what's in your heart and it says, do something. Well, in order for you to do something, you gotta be motivated. There's gotta be motive, right? In order for you to move forward. Um, and it's like, don't just store it up in your brain. Allow that 18-inch journey. Allow that stuff to collide with the feeling and emotion that's in your heart because when you do that, you'll do something about what you hear. You can't just sit still with it anymore. Yeah. You know, and we said, you know, the, the thing we said on Sunday, which I thought was a great picture of this was, I you know, you think you picture guardrails on the interstate, you know, so you're driving on I-64, or the Gene Snyder, there's 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 guardrails on either side of the road, and and those are meant to keep you where you're supposed to be. And that's what God wants for us. Mm-hmm. He wants life to be the way it's supposed to be. And it's not, could you hop the guardrail and drive in the meet? Sure, you could. But at that point, you're taking your life into your own hands and, and, and other people as well. So it's like you, you look at God's word. It's not meant to restrict us or kill the fun or kill the joy or be a buzzkill. God's going to no, know like this is where I want you and, and the reason that I want you here is because I love you, you yeah. know. And I think that's that motivation. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's not about knowing the rules; it's about following the rules. But maybe a better word than rule is desire. Like, yeah, that's exactly right. Let's not look at God's rules, but let's look at what God's desire yeah. is. Yeah, that's a great way to saying it. Yeah. So thinking about it that way, looking through that frame, what are some practical things we can do with our kids this week? What are some practical ways as families that we can seek out God's desire, follow God's desire, and remind ourselves what that model looks like.
1: Sure. I, well, I think one one of the things, um, you know, for us, and in, 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 uh, I shared this story on, on Sunday, and it wasn't a part of my notes or anything, but I think it's important for us to remember, um, you know, Sunday morning, man, I was on my way to church, and, and I just had a heck of a morning from a standpoint of, you know, my... I wasn't feeling super great and st- I overslept and was trying to get out of the house. And my kids were up super early and, and, you know, they're, they're kind of fighting for my attention as I'm trying to get ready. And I'm like, you know, it's like, I leave the house, super stressed and, and angry. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm looking for a, you know, a worship tune or something to kind of like, Ooh, let's just refocus on my way to church and get ready to preach. Let's get ourselves back in a good frame of mind. And, uh, and, you know, the, the new Hillsong album is out and uh, you know, there's that song, As You Find Me. And, and it's all about, you know, you love me as you find me. And I, I just kept thinking, man, I, here I am trying to clean myself up and get myself ready to step in and stand up in front of a, a group of students. And God's going, I, I love you, even when you're stressed out and even when you're freaking out and even when you're angry. Uh, and it just reminded me, even in that, mo- in that moment, of how good his character is. And I think there's a lot of us that feel like we need to get things right before we look for God. And if that's the case, you're going to wait forever. Um some of us may feel like we're too far gone and there's no way that, that God would ever want us back. And I just got to tell you, if that's you, that's wrong, that, yeah. that that's a lie uh, that you're buying. Um, and so I think, you know, as you know, the first thing parents and, and students that, that I hope you take away from this is that God loves you as he finds you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to get yourself ready like he loves you as he finds you as he finds you. Uh, and you're not too far gone and you don't have to start, you don't have to keep waiting to get your life together to, to step back into or to ha- hop back on you know, that, that path of desire, what he desires for you. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not yeah. let's
0: target this one behavior and, yeah. and, or this one glaring thing in our family and as soon as we get that tackled, then we can move on to Yeah, the, then like, we can go back to church. Yeah, right? yeah, then we can go to like, church. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's man, make your kids fall in love with the Father, and that one thing will start to take care of yep. itself. But, like, man, foster love. Like, yeah. Don't go after that one thing and then come back to church.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, as we get, like, super practical, I think parents, you look at, you know, read Exodus 34, verses 5 through 7. I would tell you to do that. And look at some of the characteristics of I am, right? So compassion, slow to anger, unfailing love, but also just. I think you know, parents, we want to, in and of ourselves, reflect God's characteristics to our kids. Um, and so what does it mean to be compassionate to your kids? What does it mean to be slow to anger? What does it mean to have unfailing love? You know, and justice is a part of that. So it doesn't mean that our kids get away with murder and they get away with everything and there's not consequences or punishment. Um, but but what does that look like for you as parents to, to, to really have the conversation? So husbands, wives, single moms, single dads, like I would just tell you, like, have some conversations about this. Maybe you know if if you're if you've got some accountability in your life, or somebody that's kind of walking with you. You know, if you're a single parent, um, you know, have a conversation. Hey, what does this look like? You know, let's talk about the showing God that are showing our kids the characteristics of God. He's a father that's compassionate and slow to anger and unfailing love. And man, I'm none of those things. So, what does it look like? How do I grow in those? And then you know, from from a parent or from a kid standpoint. I would just say this really simple. Obedience is a love language of your parents. Um, It it says, when you do what your parents ask you to do, it says, I love you and I trust you enough to do what you say. Again, like Mike, you said it great. It's not just following a blind set of rules for rules sake, um, but it is beginning to lean into the desires of our families, to begin to lean into the desires of our parents Uh, especially as our parents are reflecting the desires of God and beginning to impress those things onto our hearts and impress those things onto our lives. You know, kids, I would just challenge you. Students, I would challenge you, um, obey your parents, right? The the, the commandment, the first commandment that isn't specifically about God himself says honor your father and mother. Why? So you'll live long in the land that I'm about to give you. Honor doesn't mean you like what they say all the time. Honor doesn't mean you even love what they say all the time, but it does mean you have to honor them. And I think that obedience thing, man, just understand that's the love language of my parents. Uh, It's the love language of a father. It's the love language of a mother. I love you and trust you enough to do what you say, even when I don't understand it uh, or even when I don't agree with it. Uh, And so those are the the two challenges that I would give specifically of, of, you know, families sit down, have a conversation. Parents, talk about how can we begin to more accurately and clearly reflect the characteristics of God to our own kids? And then students, kids, I would tell you, you know, what does it look like for you to begin to obey your parents? And I would even ask your parents, hey, is it true what Brad said? Is, is obedience really the love language of a parent? And I think you'll be shocked what they say. So, you know, that's those are my, my two kind of closing challenges today.
0: Yeah, I think it, one good question to ask might just be, when was the last time I kind of dug into the reason uh, behind why I'm giving instructions to my kids. Like are you stuck in a pattern where it's oh, I'm giving instruction after instruction after instruction and they're pushing back and they're pushing back and they're pushing back and it's driving me to the point to just get shorter and shorter and shorter. Like yep. when was the last time you sat down and said, hey, I want you to do this, but it's because I love you. Yeah. Here's what I think about you. Here's who you are. Here's – Here's who we are as a family, and here's how God loves us. Like, when was the last time you sat down and explained the backstory yeah. behind the rules that you've set up in your household? That might just be the question to
1: ask this week. Yeah, so that's great, right? Mike. Love that.
0: Well, we uh, we're back next week. What are we talking about next week?
1: We're talking about giving. Why do giving. we give back to God? Why, why, why do we, you know, like, why, why do we, why, why do we take, like, specifically, why do we take offering? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for our students who maybe maybe don't have money to put in the offering tray each week, it's it's basically looking at the things that God's given us and going, okay, why why does he ask that we give him those things back?
0: Yeah, and that's Uh, a great follow-up. That's like a two-step. Why do we do what God says? Well, he says to give. Why do we give? Yep. So uh, it's just building on this whole concept of obedience, which is great. That's exactly right. We'll be back next week.
1: Next week.